always shoot my shot Fuck it if a nigga try block Never gon' make me stop I'ma always think out the box Probably be the reason I'ma pop Fuck what you thought I got a whole damn deal I'ma go crazy I'ma always show my skill And that's probably what they hate I'm about to blow And that's a big fact I'm that nigga no one knows I'ma fix that They want me to sell my soul Gotta get back I'm just trying to put the two off Six on the big back Been gone for too long Feels good to be home I don't wanna go, don't wanna go Don't wanna leave Been gone for too long Feels good to be home I don't wanna go, don't wanna go Don't wanna leave Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back I used to get high before class They wondered what was up with me I acted up, I barely passed Teachers didn't fuck with me I hated lunch, therefore was trash Had to eat the lunch for free I made the team, they barely passed Teams were never fun for me I was kind of a loser, not a cool kid I was too smart, they were stupid What the school taught, I was clueless Cause I knew that it was useless I used to do art, they ain't do shit Made a soundcloud and made music I had a big heart, what was Cupid I wanted a new chick She was too thick, I never gamed her But who did? I got different problems now Yeah Really, they ain't shit to solve. So many, I can fix them up. I fix one, then I get some more. I wish it was easy, though. I just wanna let them go. I be trying to tell the bros. I got different problems now. I got different problems now. Yeah. I got different problems now. Aw, damn. My next guest is one of the latest artists making noise out of North Seattle. He was recently signed to Chosen Music Atlantic Records and even has an interview out with Sway in the Morning. And now, he's on the Nast Podcast. <laughs> I've been seeing all the hard work he's been putting in, and it was very exciting to have him on the podcast. It's my pleasure to introduce Katil. We're going to go bar for bar. This all freestyle. Check. Uh. I'm tired of feeling like all me and my niggas unsafe. Everywhere I look, it's something crazy going on. Life, every decision you make, you get one take It's nothing like when you make it into a song I just wanna be making moves I shouldn't have nothing to prove Sometimes I feel like I do I know that I don't make the rules That's not what I do Cause I hate to follow them too Welcome back to the podcast, everyone Today I'm with a very special guest The one and only, Katil What's up, man? How you doing? Very good It's... Yeah. Might not sound like a long time coming for you, but for me, this interview has been a long time coming. I'm, I really appreciate you taking time to do this. Most definitely, man. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because I feel like there's so many voices going on right now. There's like local Seattle artists trying to talk to you, fans mm-hmm. trying to talk to you, people in the industry. And yep. I feel like from the outside looking in right now, I feel like you're trying to establish your image for how you want the world to see you, right? Yeah. So, like, taking time to do a podcast, I feel like 
it could it sometimes could be scary, you know. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you doing this. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's start. Let's start with artists. Mm-hmm. So, what I see, you did a lot of collaboration, like leading up to your success you've seen, right? Yeah. And now, it seems like artists from every around Seattle is trying to collaborate collaborate with you. Mm-hmm. And then I see you going doing basketball games like the martial law band and stuff like that yeah so how do you figure out if these are artists that actually are trying to make meaningful connections and be friends with you mm-hmm. or they're noticing that you have this like attention yeah well i kind of like i would say i fill it out and then also from getting like different requests and dm requests over time like you can kind of tell who's like like this, for example, like this is a legit opportunity to get on a podcast. So I was like, hell yeah, like, yeah, let's set it up. Um, some people would just hit you up and you can kind of tell just from the message, like they just want something out of you or they trying to level up. Um, but a lot of the artists that I'm working with now and that I have worked with recently, like some of them, if not most of them and all of them, like I've known, like I've had, uh, I've known for like, like Steegy, I knew him for like, two years Q I've known since like show PMO Showtime I know him since I was in like sixth grade we played with the same AAU team yeah so there's like a lot of artists who used to play basketball um like myself that I've reconnected with Zay side as well um I've known Isaiah since like I played against him um in the AAU circuit um so we all got you know a connection in that uh ellis is just super dope we recently uh, ellis prescott we recently yes. just linked up and shit he's just dope man like and his sister even Ooh, yeah same fire as fuck man so i've just honestly like me personally like i've just wanted to link with as many dope artists as possible and i'm just grateful that they fuck with me as well so yeah i mean i could go on there's like plenty of artists that i'm not naming but they know I yeah fuck with them, so that's yeah, crazy hell of artists do you feel like it's hard is it easier for it's probably easier to like sort through people over social media but when it comes to like in person how do you know how to interact with certain people that's a good question yeah because i would say like people like when they think you're dope in person um you know and they want to make something happen again it's kind of it's it's even easier for me to fill out like yeah you know who's genuine so in person I just try to keep it very cordial and just keep it simple. You know, I don't like to commit to things necessarily. Or like if somebody's like super anxious or anticipating a response from me, I might like hold off a little bit and be like, oh, yeah, like hit, hit me, like email me, you know, because mm-hmm. I got to think about it. And I, you know, want to make sure it's worthy because I feel like all of the collaborations I do, like it's mutually beneficial. So, yeah, in person, um, I'm a very like approachable person and like friendly person. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm finna work with everybody. <laughs> so yeah, I just um, I don't know. Sifting through it is just kind of like a personal decision, like right for every artist. And artists, I don't think people like to think about this, but artists are probably more sensitive than the normal person. Honestly, oh definitely, <laughs> well, not for sure. So, so how did this success come to be, though? So mm-hmm. I've seen you on Sway, SoundCloud interviews, mm-hmm. sitting down with Fat Joe. I definitely want to get into that later. Mm-hmm. So, from the Sway interview I listened to, almost two to three years ago, you were homeless. Yeah. Actually, I want to start there. Okay. Yeah. So, that's a lot of things. When I, when I think of, like, Seattle artists, or even, even when you think of, like, L.A. artists, Atlanta artists, wherever, when you, when you think of people outside of Seattle especially, they can pop 
in Atlanta. They can pop in L.A. Mm-hmm. But when you think of these Seattle artists, a lot of Seattle artists want to pop in Seattle, but mm-hmm. they, it doesn't happen for them. They're like, oh, you know what? Even the older heads, like I just had on Greg Scott from Kung Fu Grip. Mm-hmm. He was like, nope, no way. You can't pop in Seattle. You got to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. So with you, you took that approach of leaving Seattle. Yeah. But it wasn't just a great, it wasn't a great outcome right away. So no. talk to me about the events that led up to actually leaving Seattle mm-hmm. and what happened once you left Seattle. Yeah. So leading up to when I left, um, so it was my senior year, 2017, uh, Nathan Hale High School. And like I said before, like I've, I've been a basketball player since middle school and that was my main focus. Like I, I wanted to play division one basketball. Uh, I'm five, seven. Same. <laughs> yeah. So it's tough for me. Like, playing at the highest level like of high school basketball which I was like I was playing with like the best basketball team in the country which um to this day is just hard to even fathom I'm very grateful that it's been a part of my life but at that point I just felt kind of like damn like everybody around me is so dope at basketball and they're getting these offers and they know what they're about to do um, and I wasn't exactly sure like what my path was going to be. I knew I was like making some noise and traction on SoundCloud um, just from some independent grinding I've been doing for like three years. And so I transitioned over to music. I started working on a project called Innocence is Ignorance. And that's what this tattoo is. Hell yeah. Point it out so the camera can see that. Yeah. Let's see. Woo! So I, I, I. So that was my first tattoo ever. Um, and it was like a commitment to it was like an artist statement like this is going to be something that like I commit to and see it through. And the concept behind it was like, innocence is ignorance because like you won't know until you've experienced it. So like a lot of people live without experiencing real life and adversity. Yeah. Um, So they might move with a certain level of ignorance and that's not even a diss, but it's like, you can see it come out, you know, when people act that way. But anyways, that was like, at a time where I was actually kind of ignorant <laughs> and innocent. So um, I felt like I wanted to give myself more life experiences. So I was like, and I've always been the type of person to like be an independent thinker and think outside the box and like make kind of rash and radical decisions. Um, and at that time, you know, nobody was really thinking it was a good idea. Wow. But like my grandma was like, but my grandma she believed in me. So I, I live with my grandma since I, I was, like, young. Um, so key figure in your life. Key figure in my life, like, raised me. Um, and, I, you know, I, I presented it to her, and she was just like, well, you know, you got a job coaching. I was coaching at my former AAU program, and mm-hmm. she's like, you know, you could go to college, you know, you can go to community college, you know, work your way up, you know, play on the team, take music classes. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I was like, yes, like. I'm going. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess, like, it was just kind of confusion. It was just that, like, time of of a lot of young people's lives where they're, like, transitioning from high school into adulthood right? and, and trying to figure out, you know, what, what their path is going to be. And I was trying to pave my own. And um, so that's what led up to that. And um, were you planning to move? to LA or is this like a yep. trip a full on move I okay. was planning on fully moving and it was wow. funny I went with like my backpack and like one check back wow <laughs> so <laughs> I was just planning on just like 
I don't know. I, it's it's funny thinking back to that mentality that I had because I just thought I could make something out of nothing. Right. Um, but I just didn't have any plans. I didn't have really any real plans. I was just like, I'm going to get there and I'm going to figure it out, mm. which sounds crazy. But, um, you know, I just knew that in order to achieve some type of success in, in music, like there was no blueprint for me. So I was like, I have to do something different. I can't try to do what everybody else is doing. Like I can't, you know, keep being an underground SoundCloud artist. Like I have to figure out who to meet and, and how long were you doing rap at this point? Three years, you're saying, or even longer than that? So, I, my dad's a soul singer. So I've been like musical my whole life and been singing my whole life. I sang in church growing up. Um, I was like the lead singer in Jesus Christ Superstar at my church. Oh my gosh, and, I love that. <laughs> um, shout out CSL Center for Spiritual Living. But so like I have always had a love and passion for music and my mom like always would play like a bunch of 90s hits and have the radio on and she always sang and we would come up with like parodies and stuff together of songs um so i feel like just naturally it's always been in me and then in middle school i started like really falling in love with poetry in my mm -hmm. in my english class and um and then from then on I, I just started like messing around writing rhymes and writing lyrics and then i started doing little remix videos and did like a remix to You Be Killing Em by Fabulous. Ooh, I did yeah. a cover of Deuces. Okay. Um, And so I was putting stuff out here and there in middle school. And then in high school, kind of just like focused fully on basketball. But then sophomore year, I took a music survey class, mm. started producing. And that got me back into music. Um, So I was producing. And then I was like, oh, I'm kind of nice at this. Like, I feel like my stuff stands out a little bit in this class. So from then on like i started a soundcloud and just started like uploading my stuff and nobody was listening it was just something i was doing just because i just wanted to start it and yeah see where it went and just gradually throughout the years like my plays increased and i started making stuff that people were paying attention to at my school mm. i made this one song called easy where it was a, it was a singing song and nobody knew i sang so everybody's wow. like this is you <laughs> and i've gotten that a lot throughout my career because people don't know that i do both like that i rap and that i sing mm -hmm. so like they'll hear me rapping and then they hear a song that i'm singing and it sounds like a completely different artist so they're like this is you <laughs> so anyways like that's kind of the history of how i got into all of that but um so it was like personal that was like years and years of build-up so for yeah. you it seemed like it was destined from the outside people were like what no right like i get that i kind of feel that yeah yep, yep. so Continue. i feel like i knew it because i'm like i know this is inside me but i have to get right with myself i have to make people believe it i have to be confident i have to be able to perform it there's so many aspects to it you can't just be like i'm talented like i got the talent like everybody's like cool bro like who are you <laughs> um so that journey is long bro yeah. like and you have to face adversity to grow so um you know there were many there's many times where i just thought about you know taking a more normal route and just doing what my grandma said and doing what the people who were advising me to do better things said mm. um and that and that was all what seemed logical but in the back of my mind i'm like i don't care what happens like i'm gonna figure this out and it's gonna be grand like it's gonna be amazing and so i always had that in the back of my mind um the whole time wow. to this day so do you even do you even this must have been like a huge part of your life so do you like remember the 
month you went and everything like that to yeah. LA? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I graduated high school. Um, and then I think like the spring season was over and then I was just kind of chilling in my basement, making music, um, just being a goofball and just like making ignorant stuff and <laughs> yeah, and just not really caring, um, about really anything. Like I didn't want to go back to work. I didn't want to even go to school. I just didn't want to do anything except for music. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't really have like a clear path with music. It was just like, I knew I was talented and I was I was very braggadocious as well and like pretty arrogant at that time. And um, just started hanging out with people who I thought I could maybe build something with. And um, all of those friendships that I built around that time have fallen through since. So it was like, wasn't really the right people for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna just dip off and do my own thing. Like, I'm about to do a whole. I'm about to do a whole 180. Nobody's. You, and so I just came up with the idea and was like, I'm about to do it. Wow. And then told my grandma. She was probably the first person I told. And then slowly but surely, I started telling a couple other people in my life. And then I, uh, when I had a thousand. <laughs> I had a thousand dollars that my my aunt had gave me, and she was like, "Use this to have a nice vacation, you know, like a weekend trip, mm-hmm. you know." And I told her I was going to L.A. I don't think I told her I was moving to L.A. with that <laughs> money, though. Like she probably would have been like, well, "Are you crazy? Like well. I gave you this money so you could have an amazing vacation, like not so you could fuck up your life." Um, so, <laughs> but I, yeah, I used a thousand dollars to get a ticket. And then the rest of that money was just for when I got to LA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was, I think, around July, I think is when I left. It was like right after I dropped my Innocence is Ignorance project. Oh. Yeah. So at least, and at least I had that. Like, I felt like I had something to show for. Mm-hmm. You know, I had like a prototype in the works that if I was able to make it into any of the buildings I had envisioned, um, cause I had known there's like buildings that, you know, artists can go in and, you know, there's all these stories of how people have met people and got in, got their way in. And yeah. I just believed that I could figure it out somehow, mm-hmm. which never, that wasn't even how like years later, you know, this is all ha- like, we'll get into that. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> we'll get into that. But so that never even happened. It wow. was just like, that was the idea. Like I'm gonna go out there and make, and make something happen. And have you performed at that point before, like concert venues and stuff like that? Actually, yeah. Okay. Um, around that time, I also, so when I made the project, I linked up with Archers. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's like uh, Royce David, um, Lily Silver, uh, Matondo, Nate, okay. Nate Travelis, Nathan Nzonga. I love Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Isaiah Brown is actually who like, well, he didn't introduce. I I started peeping his stuff because mm-hmm. you know I followed him just because of basketball because he's one of the best guards in the state, um, and he made a project called Coldest Summer, um, and with Royce and I was like, yo, this this <laughs> dick is nasty. Like he's a hooper, but he's like really nice at music. Wow. Like he was singing too and melodizing. It. So I'm like, damn, and I could tell like obviously he couldn't have done that alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm like damn who is this Royce David kid like he's talented as shit I was like how can I like link with him um because I felt like I could I could use some help on the production and like I've always had like a ear but I'm like clearly he has like um a working formula so Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out my way into that circle and um 
<laughs> we have like a family connection. We're not. I don't think we're really cool like that anymore. But <laughs> um, Isaac Jacuzzi, like we, his grandma. I like worked on her farm like back in like sixth grade or whatever. Cause she's like, like an honorary grandma to my cousins. Wow. Um. So my cousins brought me up there, and I like gotten with their family and met uh, Isaac and his brother Zeke, and so. I didn't really know him much like that, but then in high school we reconnected because we both did music, and I was like showing love to his music, and he was like showing love to mine. So we had reconnected, and um, he's the one that like introduced me to Archers. Okay. So eventually, you know, I kind of had a couple contacts and started utilizing them, and um, asked Royce if he would help me mix my project, uh, mix and master, and I paid him seven hundred dollars that I got from being a Patriot at my school. Oh, wow. So I got like the, it's called the Eric Benson scholarship. Okay. And they asked, they, they say you could use it for, um, uh, it's about to be a long ass podcast. Bro. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no, but you could use it. They say you could use it for like academics. You could directly, you know, yeah. get it put into your school or you could get it directly put into the bank. <laughs> so I'm like, give me the money to the bank. Like, <laughs> um, and I took that money and, and, and paid $700 to Royce to mix and master my project. He wow. did a great job. Um, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like an intimate experience. Like we never got like tight or cool or anything. Mm-hmm. And I could tell like at the time, like I was like, okay, he going to do this. And then right. and that'll be that. But it's funny from that, like I linked up with the other artists, you know, off and on um, through other producers that we knew and just cause I fucked with them and they fucked with me and, I still ha- have have like those connections I still have to this day. I love all of those dudes. Um and um but they had done a show. So they and and around that time I was still cool with all of them and um they like they they put me on. Like, wow. Frankly, they put me on and like let me have my own little like 15 minute slot. Um and I brought my bro Dempsey. Okay. Um so we performed together and he performed a few songs that we had together and I performed my shit and I had a few songs with them too. So we performed songs that I had with Archers and that show was fun as fuck. It was at the Crocodile. And oh. I just remember like, I was definitely there. I was, I came prepared. That was one of my better shows. Wow. Um, I had like my Innocence is Ignorance merch. I had just a Ooh. black tee with the white logo. There we go. Um, so yeah, I performed there and I've been performing in talent shows all throughout my K through eight, uh, experience and i performed at a couple school dances at my high school (laughs) oh yeah and so i've I've always liked like i've always liked the spotlight i guess yeah you know i won't say like it's not the attention i like it's just that i like performing and entertaining yeah um and music and live music so but yeah i performed a bunch of times i was i was in a scholarship program for two years Mm -hmm. it's called the united negro college fund i don't know if Uh, you've heard of it i have yeah and um so the first year I did it, I didn't realize you were supposed to be a senior to do it, like mm-hmm. to actually get the money. Mm-hmm. So I did it junior year and senior year. Yeah. And I actually, I won junior year, but I couldn't get the money. So it's just like, oh, you get an award. Yeah. Second <laughs> senior year, I win again. So back to back. Mm-hmm. And I, the award was 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. So at this point, senior year had ended because I graduated in 2019. And... I was deciding whether or not I wanted to actually go to school or pursue radio because mm-hmm. um, towards the end of my senior year, I got hired at 92.5. Fire. And I was like, shit, there's no radios. 
there's no radio school in Washington. Yeah. So if I wanted to pursue radio in college, I'd have to leave Washington and give up this job I had just gotten. Mm. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to stay here. I don't really want to go to school anyways. Mm-hmm. But then I, I, I just realizing now, I never realized, I never got that 500 bucks. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I could, because it was sort of gone straight to like a school for like uh-huh. a deposit. Yeah. But I didn't go to school. So where the hell is my money? Right. Where did the money go? <laughs> the hell that's a 500 bucks there's a lot you can do with that honestly yeah for real especially at that age like when you're just yeah you you know you're just getting into working you might not have that much money saved you just dude i had just gotten my first car Uh and my family wouldn't let me be on their plan Mm -hmm. so i was working at 92.5 and starbucks but my car insurance was 600 bucks a month Mm mm-hmm so I had my dream job, but I was only saving maybe like a hundred bucks a month because my yeah. insurance was straight for the car. Yeah. It was, oh my God. I wasn't saving no money around that time. I was just spending it on them stuff. Wow. Put it like that. I'm, I'm a coach now. So it's like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm literally coaching like today. Like oh, yeah. I'm coaching 12 year olds and stuff. So Dope. Um, actually recently I've been trying to like really like monitor my, uh, my my presence my image stuff like that but um because i would go into like some other stuff like um i mean i'll just say i was like smoking hella like around mm-hmm. that time so i spent a hell of money just smoking and wasn't a good idea like to each their own you know what i'm saying <laughs> um but yeah like that's just a, that's another aspect of my life so I'm, I'm probably not gonna get into that too much in this no worries podcast but yeah wow dude so how did you get this coaching job? Um, I got this coaching job just from my like longtime mentor and coach and big bro, uh, Kelly Edwards. He's um, like a very recognizable face in the AAU and basketball scene uh, in Seattle. He's changed like so many kids' lives, um, changed my life. And, hmm. um, you know, there were some years that I was lost. He gave me the opportunity back when my senior year to coach. And then, you know, I feel like, I just wasn't ready to go back to it once the spring season was over. I was just like, you know, all right, I coached, like, I'm out of high school. Like, I'm just going to willy-nilly be an artist and not care what nobody has to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a few years, I think, like, it was just out of the question for me to come back to coaching. But but now, like, I think he realizes what I've, you know, been up to. Maturing. um, Maturing and. He gave me another opportunity to coach again, and I, I couldn't turn it down. I was just like, "Yeah, yeah. man." Um, so, yeah, that's 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 who Kelly is. He's wow. He's like, man, who, who can I compare him to? I don't know. He's just a Mr. Miyagi. Miss, yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect, exactly. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's awesome because I feel like I think it's different for everybody, but I honestly probably don't start remembering things until I was like, actually, this is kind of late. But like ten or twelve, mm-hmm. that's when I feel like I actually had like a brain, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I feel like that's the perfect time to like train kids to do sports and stuff. Of course, mm-hmm. they can start young, but like, I remember I did a lot of like sports when I was younger. But I specifically remember like my coaches and the programs I did when I was ten through twelve. For some mm-hmm. reason, like when I was ten, I don't think he lives in Seattle anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe he does. But Nate Robinson, oh yeah, he um did this basketball camp where I lived. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would do the basketball camp, and he would coach it, and then, like, that's how I, like, met his kids. I'm not close to the kids. They probably don't even know who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. But when, when I was 10, I knew his kids, and one thing I actually remember the most about the basketball camp is his kids 
<laughs> looked just like him. Yeah. But like kids, it was weird. Like his daughter. <laughs> this is so bad. But it's this the only thing. His daughter looked exactly like him, but just right. longer hair. Yeah. I was like, holy yeah. shit. Right. <laughs> that was so fun. And then I completely forgot about Nate Robinson up until the um boxing match. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. So wait, did you see? Cause I, I like that was one of my more successful videos, freestyle videos I posted uh, right after his boxing match. Um, Which one was it? Cause I've seen your freestyle videos. Yeah, it was. Um, it was Nate. It was called Nate the Great Freestyle. I don't know if I saw that one. Oh fuck! It was just in response to it. Like uh. I was watching it. Um, obviously rooting for Nate. Um, all of Seattle was and. Um, I just felt like everybody was bagging on bro and I'm like this is one of my idols growing up and I'm like <laughs> as a as an artist and as somebody who likes to speak up um I felt like and it wasn't like it, it was I didn't even think it would do anything I just like right. wanted to put it out there um I didn't even think he would see it either mm-hmm. and so I, I I posted it and he like had reposted it oh shit and like it got like two hundred thousand views in like two days. Where's your, where's it posted on? It's on my IGTV. Okay, because yeah. I was looking through your your YouTube and your SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But that was huge for me. I was in Chicago for Thanksgiving with with my family. Uh, this twenty twenty Thanksgiving, so literally just the last Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just had watched the fight, um, responded, and he reposted, wow. showed support, and. Yeah, I felt like I made some kind of connection there, which was huge for me because I was like, I was really saying like to my family, I was like, I can't even imagine what like sixth grade me would be thinking right now and feeling because I went to camps that he was at. Yes. Yeah. So he's um, like a town hero, honestly. Absolutely, bro. Especially for little guys like me, basketball players. Winning the dunk championship stuff. Come on, bro. Goat. Wow. Goat. See, we have the thing is that I think it's so crazy about the Seattle. I'm just going to, before I get into the Seattle music scene, I'm just going to call it the Seattle scene. Mm-hmm. So when I'm saying the scene, I mean everything from technology, yeah. art, whatever. I feel like our scene in Seattle is so crazy. We've got Amazon. Mm-hmm. We've got, we got some like crazy top of the line athletes here. Mm-hmm. We've got dope ass artists. But I feel like none of them are like are, are meshing together. Like I you agree. see, you see like Drake going to all these basketball games. Mm-hmm. Like he's like hanging out with these basketball players. You don't see artists hanging out with all these basketball players or football players. Yeah, I agree. Like, freaking Russell Wilson and Sierra, that is, like, a power couple. That's insane. Yeah. I just, I think, like, and I think a lot of people would agree, like, that there's been this sort of, like, clicky aspect to different pockets of Seattle and and different people in Seattle, which I think is just a mentality that has plagued all of us. Yeah. And, like, I've just, like, because for a long time, and I think the mentality kind of comes from, like, I'm going to make it and then it's fuck everybody or like mm-hmm. me and my dogs, we going to make it. And that's all I need. But I feel like, I don't know, you just cancel out so many opportunities and so many ways that you can impact like the city as a whole, you know, just, just rather than like reaching out and, and working with other people that you, you know, might not know or be from another place, like in the, in the town. Like, so now I show love to anybody, Seattle, like, even if I don't have nothing to offer them, like I show love. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think this is a newer mindset? Because you, you're from North Seattle, correct? Mm-hmm. So you definitely were working with like the Nathan Zangas, Dempsey's, and stuff like that. Yeah. But do you feel like from the beginning of your career, you've always tried to spread out, or were you no. pretty clicky at first too? No, I was clicky at first. Okay. I, I think I didn't realize the issues. I felt like 
I just wanted to find my crew and blow up with my crew. Mm-hmm. And I did that a few times. And, you know, I think I was just trying to force something and just find, like, just trying to be a part of that culture. And then I realized, like, nah, bruh, like, there's a problem, like, just with the culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Or there's a problem in the culture. Um, not with the culture as a whole. There's a problem in the culture of people just being, like, so, I don't know, like, I don't really like clicky and just not fucking with each other and not supporting, like, you know, just wanting to be the one to make it. And so I don't know. I've done a lot. Like there's so much that goes in between like what's changed and what's changed in me and like why I don't feel that way no more. But like, I just like have had a lot of spiritual awakenings and enlightenments and been like, you know, like reconnected with these connections I was telling you about earlier and, actually making songs with them and working with them and there's no ego behind it it's just like we're just creating moments Mm -hmm. and whatever happens happens but you know if i fuck with you and you fuck with me then let's do something yeah yeah i'm still like i've only been in the scene for like a year and a half but it doesn't seem like there was maybe i'm completely wrong they didn't seem like there was like pockets in seattle that actually blew up but Mm -hmm. it does seem like your pocket it's kind of like birthing all these crazy artists. You got Dempsey, mm-hmm. Nathan. I think Nathan's still up and coming, but I think he's got a lot of traction behind him, especially with that um, short movie music video. So just released. amazing, bro. Little Mosey. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think it is, though? Because it seems like you guys are finding success mm-hmm. some way or another, but it does seem like North Seattle, even outside North Seattle, like Everett area, mm-hmm. it seems like they they're finding success but then they're missing all the connections all the way down from seattle to tacoma and it's like Mm -hmm. no one knows who they are down there yeah it's yeah and it's interesting because like i feel like there's been different eras of like different pockets of seattle like being able to put on from where they're from i don't feel like the north has had like an era like this where there's so many yeah art like amazing artists but there's always going to be eras. I mean, and I, that's n- that's never to discredit the artists that have come from the North End. Like mm-hmm. Saul, um, damn, I don't want to, damn, Saul. I mean, <laughs> he went to Nathan Hill. That's like. Is but, Sam LaChow from the North End? I don't even know where Sam Yeah, LaChow. I think, mm, let me not say that because I don't know, but Me maybe. <laughs> um, and there's And there's plenty. Like, I don't want anybody to watch this and be like, hey, man, like, why didn't you say me? Like, bro, I'm still learning. Like, but like. Yeah, I think that there's been success, like, throughout different eras. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now, like, I just know that, like, the people I have known for, like, the past three or four years have all gradually been growing. And now people are starting to take notice. And I think that's that's probably happening somewhere else as well. And I'm trying to t- trying to start taking notice. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know about artists from different areas and be working with artists from different areas. Like I said, yeah. like, PMO Showtime from the CD, Stigy from West Seattle um they side from everett um so yeah i like the everett artists honestly like they are kind of clicky but like they're so nice and they're like really hard working I, I like everett very much so wow so. Mm-hmm. so how old were you and where were you in your career when little mosey popped off so i was when out how old was i this was back in 2017 right when he popped off i think I think it was maybe I didn't even hear who he was until like my senior year. So I didn't hear about him until like 2018, maybe early 2019. But he could have definitely yeah. blown up in 2017. It could have been like end of 2017 because I'm, I'm, I think he might have dropped like 
pull up like end of 2017. Okay. Um, but around that time, I know it's like when shit started really booming for him. And I had heard about him. Um, I had actually met him just a few times just through like mutual friends and shit. Um, and it's funny, like the first time I met him, it was cool. Um, it was just cool. And like, he didn't know I did music, but he was mm. like telling me about his and I was listening to some of it. I'm like, bro, this is hard. Like, and that was the first time and it was cool. Next time I met him was horrible. Oh like, no. But I'm not even gonna go into that. It's no just that's just it was just bad. Um I would just think that you guys in some way or another would I feel like you guys would be connecting mm-hmm. on the on the um of course it's kinda crazy. Realistically, he's almost like if not yet, he's almost punching upwards to being like an A list artist. It's kinda mm. crazy. I mean, yeah, definitely. But it seems like you guys have felt like are dealing with the same situation when it comes to like figuring out who actually cares about your music and who you are as a person versus mm-hmm. just trying to um, get some connection. Like this was so crazy. Like two months ago, mm-hmm. I've, I've tried to reach out to little Mosey every once in a while, but I never like get, I'm never angry if no one reaches back out to me. I feel like there's always mm-hmm. going to be a time and place. Just sometimes time, timing is everything. Mm-hmm. But someone had messaged me on social media and was like, Oh, I know a little Mosey if you want an interview. And I was like, Oh, Oh, cool. And they're like, yeah, just pay me 50 bucks. I'm like, what do you mean? They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm close to Little Mosey, but all these people try to reach out to him. So I have people pay me 50 bucks so they can talk to Little Mosey. I'm like, what? So people are making, Little Mosey's friends are making money off tr- other people trying to get a connection with Little Mosey. I'm like, yeah, no thanks. Right. I don't even, like, I think like, shit can start to get weird, like, as you start to see, like, that bigger level of success. And I, for one, know that, I never seen nobody like from our area do what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody was excited and me being an artist, like I had reached out to him and shit and wanted to establish that. But, um, and he actually like, was like, yeah, it's 2K for the feature. Holy shit. <laughs> Which now looking back on it, like um, being like the level of success, like he had been reaching and now he's reached like, that's, that's a reasonable that's a reason. Well, think about it price. this way. He's. And I was. I was mad, bro. Yeah. I was like, "What? Like, I'm dope. Like, and that's how you know. That's I should have spent my LA money on that. <laughs> yeah, nah, but he's a cool artist and all, and I appreciate what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he has the clout to where if someone does a feature with him, they're gonna blow up. I really, I personally don't see that. Like, yeah, he has, I don't know. he has, he has his Seattle friends who make music with like Band Kid J and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. see they, but I think they're close with him versus like. Yeah, that's his fam. If, let's say some random artist, I'm just going to make up a random name, Joe Joe Blow. Mm-hmm. He's he's a newer artist from Seattle, and he's going to have a feature with Little Mosey. I feel like that could easily go under the radar, radar and no one realizes. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's probably been instances, but. I don't yeah. know. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, everybody got to pave their own way. Exactly. Know? He made that happen for himself, so, yeah. Yeah, that's what. Going back to like the the Greg Cipher interview I just did, you know about Kung Fu Grip and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one of the, one of the things he was saying. The, the interview should be coming out in a few days. He was saying like they worked very hard, but it was almost like they were waiting for someone to give them that handout. They're like, mm-hmm. we know we can work really hard, but we're gonna stay in Seattle and we're gonna wait for these artists from outside of Seattle to be like, oh, come on, come on, tour with us and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's something about Seattle. I feel like it can become this music scene that everyone wants, but it, it definitely is about paving your own way. Most definitely. Do you feel the pressure of artists thinking that because you're popping off that you're supposed to shed some light on Seattle? Sorry, my bad. Reiterate that one more time. I'm 
I'm yeah, no to worries. The question. So, I was saying how Kung Fu Grip basically, they they never left Seattle, mm-hmm. and they were waiting for that re- handout kind of, mm. which is a negative way to say. It. I don't want them to think. I don't want because Kung Fu Grip worked really hard, but like it makes sense. They were hoping for a tour or something, and just as rap changed, they kind of got brushed under the rug. Mm. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. But with you now, a lot of artists, even so. The Kung Fu Grip era was kind of the era of Macklemore as well. Mm. So a lot of people, during the interview, Greg talks about how a lot of people are either trying to get handouts from Macklemore or trying to cop- copy Macklemore's sound. Mm-hmm. And after that wave, you do see a lot of artists kind of doing similar things when it comes to other artists that have blown up, whether it's Lil Mosey or whoever. Mm-hmm. And they also think Definitely. they also think that like Lil Mosey is supposed to shed some light on Seattle. Yeah. But now you're the latest artist to basically popping out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Do you see people or do you feel a pressure of people thinking that you're supposed to sh- like shed all this light on Seattle and open up these floodgates? Honestly, and like I, I, I'd say this in the like least arrogant way possible. Like I think people recognize like I'm a very positive person. So it's like, bro, how can you hate? Like I, I try my best like to shed light on who I fuck with. And if I see something dope, like even when people DM me like, I'll check out their stuff and um, listen to it and give them feedback. Like, people ask me, like, hey, what's your feature price? And I always say, like, I don't charge for features. If I fuck with it, I'll work with you. But nine times out of ten, I'm not going to work with somebody over the Internet. Right. Like, I like to meet people, feel their vibe, see if it's somebody I can actually, like, establish a real connection with. Um, But, yeah, I like – I show love, you know, but I have my own life to live. You know, it's like you – I'm not, like, spending all day, like – trying to find everybody um, and, and, and shed light to everything. But there are music pages that are doing that. I got bros that run music pages that do that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, almost every day I'm reposting somebody's stuff. So I just do my I just do what I can, you know. Yeah, that's good. Cause I think people just got to realize it. There's there's not – especially it's, – it's like I said before, it's, it's something about the Seattle music scene. But everyone kind of has to find their own way because we're still in that – we're still in that phase where people outside of Seattle think that we're a grunge city. <laughs> right, yes, still, man. So, you, you honestly, <laughs> bro, I think we're a hip hop city. Like, I think so too. Think Those shows, city. hip hop shows in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, they're awesome. I just, and it's like if you understand the hoop culture and how and who, what people are listening to, and not even just the hoop culture, but like kids who are fascinated by their like, like by by the hoopers at their school or like and i'm not saying that the hoop culture is the only thing i'm just saying that like hoop culture is huge in seattle yeah and hip-hop goes hand in hand yeah black culture is actually huge in seattle but we don't get the spotlight and it's just kind of like damn bro like i don't know like i feel like it's always been here but Mm -hmm. they put try to put a different narrative on things yeah and it's like nah, like i think it really leans a little bit more that way but i don't know it's just find your own path i think mm-hmm. i think people are we're in that we're in this even if you think about it, even social media alone is still like a newer thing yeah so people are still trying to figure out like how to even use social media and mm-hmm. what what does it actually mean to be unique and be special yeah and also to to add on to what i said i would say that it also depends on what your like upbringing and your experience is because you're also going to gravitate to what you fuck with All right so my reality is that like oh seattle is like an up and coming like b- big hip hop metropolis and like black music metropolis and 
Um, and I want to say black music again because I just want to put more spotlight on the black culture and black scene and, and, and music scene in Seattle. But, um, yeah, man, I think, like, everybody has their their taste. Um, I just don't want people to think that we're not here. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you make all this music, you go to L.A., and then you run out of money. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to run out of money? I mean, dude, especially with my spending habits, I probably that la- that money probably lasts me like two weeks. Oh shit! And how long were you in LA before? I'm guessing you came back to Seattle right after that. I was out there for like four months. Wow! I was out there for like four months, and it just got worse. It just gradually got worse throughout those four months. Like that was one of the. Mm, I always reference that time in my life, just like, like damn, but, um. It taught me a lot. And there's, like, so many different stories from that time that I could get into. Like, there was nights where I was just literally sleeping at 24-Hour Fitness. I still had a 24-Hour Fitness membership. So I would go there and just either stay up all night or sleep on the basketball court. 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, wow. Uh, there was a night where I slept just, like, in a, uh outdoor, like, laundry closet on some concrete. Um, like... I was like looking for I don't even know why I was looking to rent some place because I, I didn't I didn't even have a job like I didn't have any money saved like why are you lo- I was applying wow. for places like wow <laughs> and going and visiting and meeting people like in, I met people in Venice I was like it'd be fire to have a uh, a place in Venice so I like went to go and this lady was crazy bro she was like yeah so I'm actually gonna be like living with you I'll just be checking in like every once in a while um I'm not gonna be here a lot but and then she started she was like Oh, yeah, and if you know anything about how to, like, help me with my social media, that would help. Bro, the conversation I had with her was one of the weirdest conversations <laughs> I've had with anyone. Um, but, now that was just a funny time in my life, bro. Like, I, I was just having unrealistic expectations and goals. Wow. Um, but, yeah, that that lasted about four months. Then I went back to Seattle. Um, anything positive come out of that besides of course positive like it made you grow but like did you make any crazy music connection that you can you made from LA while you were down there or was it just like basically a shit show <laughs> basically a shit show bro like wow. it, it, really nothing positive like wow. I can't say that, that it was like I, I, I will say that I was able to flip it and like what I learned from it is is the positive right, right. like only happy mistakes, like Bob Ross says. Right. <laughs> but the experiences, nah, bro, they weren't positive. Wow. Like, honestly, like, I, I felt like I was driving myself deeper and deeper into my own depression. Wow. And, like, a lot of people don't even know that part of my life. Like, and and there's so many different aspects to my life that I touch on in music. Like, Mind Over Matters, bro, like, that shit's a fun record. Like, it's just, like, fun and, like, my positive side. But, like, I have a lot of songs that talk about, like, some of the deeper or even darker things that I've been through in life. But, um, yeah, around that time, bro, like, you know, my arrogance turned into, like, low self-esteem and, like, um, just a lot of self-doubt and felt directionless. I never had thoughts of suicide. I'm glad. Um, and how, how'd you get through that? It's probably always an everyday thing that you got to work through, but, like... Yeah, I had a lot of family support. You know, and even though I was like a dick to my family, like I'm just glad that they stuck through it with me. Wow, that's important. Yeah, and you know, I had people just saying things that probably went into my subconscious and and helped me get through. Um, but at the time, I wasn't even really a good listener either, so I couldn't even really, you know, 
I didn't even feel like anybody had my back. I didn't feel, but I, and plenty of people did. And I, and I was honestly, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have the help that I had. Um, when I came back to Seattle, you know, my grandma like let me stay in the same basement that I grew up in. Wow. And um, then I moved back to LA again. Wow. So it was like a, it was a <laughs> bunch of back and forth actually. And um, because I was like, I didn't want to move back to Seattle. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I just gotta like regroup and then I'm gonna go back out there and I'm gonna do it better this time and then I went back out and I actually did do it better like but it still just wasn't a great time in my life and I ended up like rooming um with these kids my age um it's hella random too like I met them one day like we made a genuine connection and then I was like yeah I've just been struggling low-key trying to find somewhere to let live and shit and like shit I'll pay you guys if you guys let me just stay on this couch wow and they say yes, like, wow. Um, surprisingly enough, and I did. And then I got a job at Shake Shack, working Ooh. on on Hollywood Boulevard at Shake Shack. Ooh. Um, is this before Shake Shack came to Seattle? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I remember them actually saying something about like their one opening in Seattle. Like, if I went back and wanted to transfer, oh, shit. I also worked at Fat Sal's, which I got Ooh. fired from. Uh oh. What happened there? Uh, I got <laughs> caught doing something I should have been doing. Uh oh. Um, I think by like she was like it's funny too, she was like probably like uh a year younger than me, this blonde white girl. Um and I did my job well, bro. Like I sweep them floors better than anybody there. Wow. Um, wash them tables, like and I was I was, but I also I will say I was too friendly, like, to customers. Like when people came in, I would just be like talking to people and like they're like, dude, like, get back to work, bro. Like <laughs> Um, so that could have been it too, but you know, I, I don't think they, I don't think my coworkers was my friends. Bro. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was my friends. Like I got fired. Oh. Um, so, and I, I was trying to think of all the reasons why, but I remember the dude like handed me it and he, he looked like he didn't even want it. He, he fucked with me. Oh. Like the, the main manager there, he was, he looked like he didn't even want to hand it to me. He was like, dude, like, sorry, bro. And you're like, ha ha, this is just going to fuel my music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I was like, y'all going to see. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I worked those two jobs, um, and yeah, around that time, you know, I didn't know what shit was going to turn into, but I was in LA, I had an apartment for a while, then I got evicted, and Ugh. then, um, and then, bruh, like, and this will come, I'll talk about this story another time, but what, what made me leave LA is I went through a traumatic experience that, um, I think honestly was a catalyst for me like making major changes in my life and really humbling myself because it was a situation I got myself in for sure. Wow. So I went back to Seattle and was really, really depressed like after everything I had been through. And, you know, people may not have seen it because like I feel like I, I don't know, like there's pictures that I look at of that time and I'm like, I don't even look like the same person. Like, and I think that's kind of what depression does to you. But yeah, I just remember at that time just being like, I'm done, bro. Like, I ain't doing shit. Like, I'm really a loser. Like, I went to LA and nothing worked out. And like, and that time my streaming had slowed down. And like, so I just felt like, damn, bro. And then I had like some enemies that I had made over over the years. And so I was hella anxious and worried about people who didn't like me. And, um, had some beefs that um, didn't make me feel comfortable in Seattle. So then I moved to 
the Bay Area and lived with my dad for the first time wow. in my entire life. Um, is this like a Drake and his dad connection where his dad's still making music or? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. My dad's super cool. My dad's super cool. Um, and, if, and an amazing artist and, and wow. soul artist and is like one of my main influences musically. But them three months were crucial, bro. Like having my dad in my life and, and getting to connect with him in a way that I never had was like life changing. Wow. Um, also, before that, I had been sleeping on Dempsey's floor. Like, oh, shit. So, Dempsey, yeah. like he. When did he start popping off, by the way? Is that is it more recently or? Uh, Well, he he grinded. Like, he's been grinding for years. We've been doing music since we was little, bro. Like, we used to wow. busk at Folk Life and put out a hat. Oh, folk like, life. when we was hella young, bro. Like, 11 and 12 and shit. Um, but, yeah, like, he, he he's blown up over the past few years just from, like, grinding. Just grinding. Wow. Um, he he like told me he was like, bro, I'm telling you, bro, you gotta start doing this TikTok shit. Like he was like, you gotta get on it, bro. It's gonna be the next wave. And this was like when TikTok was first start. You was first starting to hear people like blow up mm -hmm. off of TikTok. And he was telling me he was gonna do it, and then he did it, and he got a deal. Oh shit! From TikTok. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, damn, that's tough. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, but. But that's that. But anyways, yeah. So, but me and Dempsey go way back, bro. Like, I've known, my family's known his family before we were both born. Wow. Because his o older siblings. So my grandma taught at this school called AS1. Um, it was a K-8 through school in Pinehurst, which is now re relocated and it's not called that anymore. Um, but my grandma, she taught there. It's like a hippie K-8 through school. Um, and his older siblings went there. So my grandma, when I was like born, like, had me in classes with his older sister wow yeah and then he went to the school and i went to the school and then around like third grade we started like hanging out here and there just with our between our families and then like like i think every year we've just got closer since like wow so that's my brother yeah that's, that's how i think of him he's just my brother those are some great connections though. yeah for sure wow so what was the first pivotal moment where you started seeing well, people started seeing this buzz around you. So I'm guessing it happened after all this LA stuff. Mm -hmm. So is it is this in the past year or so? The first buzz, I would say, is when I moved. So I, I lived with my dad for three months in the Bay, and then I finally came back to Seattle. And it took a lot because I was like, I was nervous. I was like, do I still got those enemies? Are they still like, you know, not fucking with me? Like, um, or are they gonna try to fuck with me? Like yeah. type shit. Um, and then I had stayed actually with my brothers dad because we have different dads but okay. my, my little brother um and i was like he let me use his room and like his bed and wow. um super selfless he didn't even give a fuck like <laughs> love my brother man um but so and then that time in my life i was just grateful i was grateful that people still was like giving me a chance not wow. just xing me out of their lives and because honestly bro i have one of those kinds of stories like where you know it's kind of hard like for anybody to help because they're like bro we don't like how you treat us and like we don't like how you're not like doing the things you're supposed to be doing like as an adult right. but that's why i say i'm like forever grateful for people sticking it through with me through that time um shout out to those people shout out to those people bro and then i had my grandma told me like you know this template that she used for a while like writing down her goals and it was like wednesday before his daily writing she said do it every day like wins your wins your day before 
your gratitudes and your affirmations and that'll start helping you like feel like you have direction and achieving goals so I started doing that and um it's funny I mean I guess I just I subscribed to it I was just like I believed it I was like yeah. I believed what she was saying and um because I needed it I had no other options I felt like I was like I gotta make something happen my family's here supporting me you know my grandma gave me a van that I could drive and stuff mm -hmm. um so I was like I can rebuild my life and figure something out um and so I started posting freestyle videos like every day almost. And they actually, I went from like 300 followers. Cause I restarted my Instagram when I moved to my dad's. I deleted my whole social media presence. Oh wow. Lost hella memories too. Wow. Um, just cause of my anxiety um, and feeling like I didn't want to be on the internet. I didn't want to be, I wanted to be faceless and nameless like at, at that time. And um so, but yeah, so then I had to restart my social media again. And I had to, because I had followers from back when I was on a successful basketball team. But then I lost that all when I just decided to, to do that. Um, so then I was like starting from ground zero again. I actually had a manager, though, that had discovered okay. me when I was still, before I went to my dad. So my manager discovered me on SoundCloud when I was sleeping on Dempsey's floor. Were they from Were they from Seattle? Or? No, wow. I hadn't even met him, bro. Like, oh, shit. he just emailed me, and I was so desperate at the time, bro. Like, I'm just glad that he's actually a good dude. Mm. <laughs> but I was so desperate at the time that I was just like, obviously, I wasn't gonna just blindly go into this situation. Like, I still we talked for like four hours the first phone call we ever had, and wow. he explained to me his life story. I explained to him mine. But being that he was so open and honest. Um, and then he was listening to my story non-judgmentally. I was like, okay, well, at least this is somebody I could like, you know, talk to and not somebody who's on some surface level shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was like, dude, you're extremely talented. Like what, you know, and he's just kind of like, damn, like, you know, well, and I don't, I don't even know what his mindset was at the time. He just believed in me. And I don't know why hmm. I'm grateful that he did. He, he saw something. And um, he managed multi multiple NBA players at the time, oh, shit. which was crazy to me. I'm like, and he's moving in. He was moving into music. Um, and I was his like second artist or something like that. Wow. And um, but yeah. Anyway, so then he had been my manager, and he we we were keeping up and stuff. And I had a few songs that he liked, and we were trying to, but none. And it's funny, all of the songs at that time that we were thinking about like being my first like songs and singles. None of them have been released or even like worked on that much. Besides one, that's a very special song that will come out one day. Ooh, excited! Um, <laughs> but those are the best songs, the ones you hold on to for a while. Definitely. Um, but yeah, he believed in me, and and around the time that I deleted all my social media, he was like, "Dude, man, this dude's crazy!" Like, and and I I was like, my my anxiety really was getting the best of me. Like, I just remember going down so many different rabbit holes of like conspiracy videos oh shit and that shit will fuck with you bro like oh, God. which because a lot of those people are uneducated like a lot of those people and i'm saying a lot of those people are like people who just sit at home and pull a couple pictures and videos and like literally create a theory yeah and they're very convincing very believable and there's probably truth in like different place but anyways at that time that's how i know i hit rock bottom that's how i know exactly exactly <laughs> oh, that's how i know i hit rock bottom i was just like being like immersed in, wow. or immersed in just like 
negativity, honestly. Um, so yeah, bro, like I was just in a bad place uh, mentally. I told Chris, I was like, I'm done. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's the name of your manager? Yeah. Okay. I told Christian, I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do music anymore. It's full of a bunch of just people I don't want to fuck with, like things I don't want to fuck with, energies I don't want to fuck with. That's how I felt. I was just like, there's there's no there's no good way for me to make this happen. Um, so I just was completely in self-doubt. And he was like, look, bro, like, if you want to do that, then fine. But, like, you know, he's like, I've been rocking with you, you know, for the past, like, four months, believing in you. You know, we can still make things happen, but you just have to get through this time. You have to get through this mental stuff that you're going through. You have to see through it. And, you know, I was trying to understand what he was saying because in my mind, everything I was thinking was real, you know. Yeah. And it was just mentally the state I was in. But, um, yeah, so then I moved back to Seattle and, I, I, after staying with my dad, I felt like I had accomplished something in my life. And I was like, okay, like, I'm a better person than I was before I came to my dad's. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was going back to Seattle with just, like, a little bit more motivation and inspiration. And I felt like my dad believed in me because in that time I, I had been making music, not for anybody, just for me. And, and for him because I wanted him to like it. So I felt like I was shifting my focus to something more positive and like more me so then i went back to seattle and just started writing to hella classic beats and then just was posting to my instagram and i went from 300 followers to 3,000 in three months wow and like just naturally and like the people who i had kind of fallen out with and disconnected with over the years like all started showing back up and showing love like and and, and you know in a positive way like because and they probably just wasn't tapped in with me because i was just doing whatever I was doing. So it felt good then? Felt great. It felt yeah. like, damn, like I didn't lose these people. Like I thought that because of how my life had changed and the ways I had done so much self-destruction, I feel like, and then even just like, you know, not keeping up with people or having weird conversations with people in the times that I was, you know, not doing well. Like the fact that they all still came back and you know, was like, dude, this is fire. Like, you know, glad to see you're doing better. Like stuff like that, just was like, okay, like, pe- my my people haven't given up on me, and so, and then just more people started tapping in, and people who didn't know me at all started showing love, and people that followed me from those freestyles to this day that still message me and, and are like, yeah, I've been here since that. And any tips, by the way, were you using certain hashtags? Nope, <laughs> nope. I was just they was just reposting. Wow, like hella people was just reposting it or stories. And it was like every time. Wow. And I, but I, I put my best foot forward every time. I would record like 99 takes and pick the one I liked the most. Wow. And then post it. And I did that like, I want to say like at least 15 times before um, I went to New York and met with like five different labels. Wow. Wait, so you got, you met with labels (laughs) from these freestyles? Yeah, well, kind of. I also made a connection around the time that I was living with my at my dad's house. So there's, like I said, you know, there's a lot of different like uh, tangents and and, sure. and different stories in between. But yeah, like around that time too, I had met uh, Alex Rifkin and okay. his dad, Steve Rifkin. Um, is that the person who introduced you to Sway, or am I off on that? Because he yes, okay, yes, yes, and their connections run so deep, bruh. Like 
So Steve founded Loud Records, which is Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, Big Pun, Fat Joe, oh. Remy Ma, like, list goes on, Pete Rock, like, wow. legends. And I didn't even, I hadn't heard his name before, and like, uh, before Chris told me about him and, and them, and, and so we we set up a meeting. And I had been talking to them on, or Al, I'd been talking to Alex for a while on the phone, and I had actually met him on Tiana Taylor's tour, because he was like, oh, he had an artist that was opening for her, and I met, uh, I met him at that, at that tour. Um, was that in Seattle or mm -hmm. it was at Showbox? Wait, Tiana came to Seattle. Yeah. How did I not know this? Yep. Wow. And um, I just remember being backstage at that, just like, wow, like I'm really here. Like this is dope. Like, um, and so I felt like okay, like I'm with some people who actually have real connections and like who actually can help me move forward. So then we got that meeting, and he told me Steve like heard my music. He heard like five. Or, maybe three of my songs and like on the third song he was like you're gonna be a star he was like you're a star like wow um and to hear that coming from his mouth being somebody who's like worked with everybody i was like for real like you really like somebody really believes in me like that like so because I, I i've always believed in myself to an extent but at that level you never know like if people if, if that if if what you have is 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 good enough to actually like take it that far and so i didn't actually know you know but he told me that and i felt like damn like i have to believe in myself now like <laughs> so i just it just inspired me to go harder so actually yeah that was before like that was before um i moved back to seattle wow and i moved back to seattle and was just like hungry i was just like okay like i'm at this tipping point of like this could come to fruition but I, I have to keep going so that I don't let it slip away. Mm -hmm. So I, I just kept going. And I remember Zaire Wade like commenting on one of my videos because I mentioned him and he just he knew Alex. Um, mm. That's Dwayne Wade's son and shit. So yeah. And he showed love. And that was I was in my like in my brother's room at his dad's house, like in Shoreline. Um, reading these comments and wow. seeing people like showing love like and I was also going on people's lives and trying to like do freestyle talent shows and stuff like that and dude that was the funniest thing I've ever seen when you went on Sway at the end you're like wait 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 Sway I had I to <laughs> you had to bro had to I had to spit for him that was awesome you know what I'm saying um, the young brother's got a freestyle for us God he's a hyenas <laughs> um Oh yeah, and that was that was surreal to hear him say that because I've heard I was watching his videos back in like high school, being inspired. But so yeah, and then I went to New York like after I had gained traction and and it it had nothing. I was already like that trip was kind of already planned. Mm -hmm. um, but I just felt like in that time I wanted to continue to prove myself because when I got there, I wanted them to like I wanted to have more leverage walking in and and for them to be like, okay, we actually do have something here. Um, I had good songs and good demos, but I didn't have social media following. I didn't right. have a hit. I didn't have what a lot of artists do that get deals from like major labels and shit. But I met with Def Jam. I met with Republic. I met with Atlantic. And uh, I did a couple other meetings in LA on another trip. But so we were just kind of like shopping these demos around and seeing who was going to fuck with us. And, and your manager was with you when you did all this? or Yeah, who? it was okay. it was Christian and Alex. Oh, wow. Um, So they've, like, co-managed me since then. Wow. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. And 
Atlantic took a chance on me. Wow. And when I looked it up here, it's like a, it's Chosen One slash Atlantic. So tell me about Chosen One. So Chosen, Chosen Music is the, is an independent label. So we get, we're like backed by Atlantic, Mm -hmm. but. That's how most labels are, I feel like, right? um, Most artists are kind of signed to, like Macintosh, he's signed to some block star, but it's under mm -hmm. Warner or something like that. Yeah, I think, well, you know, every situation is different. I think there's a lot of different kinds of structures, but like, um, yeah, that's how ours was. Okay. And I just like. From what we had proposed with our independent label, I was rocking with it. He was like, you're going to have full creative control. I can make whatever music I want. I don't need no writers. I don't need no producers. Right. Well, I, they introduced <laughs> me to producers, but yeah. for the for the most part, I'm just like, I don't want nobody to tell me what my music is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's the number one thing. Um, nobody's going to change me. But if you fuck with me, then dope. Um, I'm just surprised, you know, that like, I'm not surprised, but like, they haven't dropped me, and I I still haven't got a hit. Like that shit's crazy to me. But, yeah. um, so it's like they must believe in my future. But I don't know. Like, I would just say that um, the chosen and Atlantic situation is just a huge blessing and, and something that I just wanted to utilize to the best of my ability. And and I'm just grateful. Like I'm just a kid from Seattle, from Lake City, Seattle. That. You know, just trying to make a way for myself, and eventually, through all of the shit that I went through, like something, something real came out of it. Hell yeah, man! Yeah. So tell me about this Fat Joe lunch, dude. Like, so <laughs> like I said, you know, Alex and Steve, like they go, they all go way back. Um, but yeah, they brought me like along with them when they was going to get lunch, and I sat down and got to talk to him and just wow, kick it. Like it was four of us. It was. Fat Joe and his bro, Steve, and um, or if I, me and Alex. Um, Damn. And I was just humbly just sitting there listening. Like, he asked me a few questions. And, um, yeah, I was just like, this is surreal, man. Like, wow. this is amazing. I'm all the way up. I'm all the way up. <laughs> I think that's what I put the caption up. Fat Joe is awesome. That's such a dope person to have lunch with. Yeah, bro. Holy yeah. shit. He's so cool, too, bro. Like, been around forever, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's so cool. Wow. And, yeah. So who are your top three artists that you want to have a feature with or collab with? It's interesting. I'm going to just say this before I answer because I do have answers. But I've also come to a place now where I don't want to ever expect Mm. that they'll happen because then I'll be disappointed. And I don't want to be disappointed. I'll just be grateful if they do. So uh, J. Cole, Drake, and Kendrick. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's my biggest, like, inspirations, I would say, in this shit, so. We can see that. I, see, I feel that. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Exactly. There we go. Or you I can make do, what I say happen. You can do, like, a, yes. You <laughs> can do that Jeezy thing. When was it? That was, like, two or three albums ago. It's like, yeah, it was, like, two or three albums ago for Young Jeezy. Mm-hmm. He had J. Cole and Kendrick on a song. It was mm-hmm. called, like, Amazing or something. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that song? Or was it American? It was called, like, American Dream or something like that. It started with an A, but it was, like, out of nowhere because J. Cole and Kendrick hadn't yeah. collabed in forever. And I was like, holy shit. I probably heard it. I just got to re- refresh myself. But, but yeah. I see you, dude. You're going you're gonna to do great things. You're already doing great things. Yeah, thank you, bro. Thank I you. think that's what I love about these podcasts. I feel like people assume their own images of other people. Like, they're, mm-hmm. already, they're like, this guy has everything. He's mm-hmm. doing fine. 
but there's so much stuff that goes on. Everyone's their own person. Everyone has stuff going on. So I feel like these podcasts help make pers- people personable. Yeah, everybody has so many amazing stories, bro. Like amazing stories like that I just hear from from people that I didn't even know. Like when Dempsey tells me about the things that he's been accomplishing and like the the things that have led up to what his success has been, I just am always just like, man, like you set your intentions, you can make really amazing things happen. Hell yeah. And yeah. And I have one final question for you. I know mm-hmm. my co-host, shout out Brian. This is the question he wants me to ask. Okay. So I heard in your sway freestyle, this is funny too, because you are you said you got your tattoo, Ignis, Ignorance is Bliss. No, okay. ignorance is... Innocence is in, ignorance. ignorance it, before you even knew much about it. And you're mm-hmm. saying the same thing with the Indigo Child tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I even seen like your cover, your latest album before the deluxe. Mm-hmm. It had Indigo in like that box. Mm-hmm. So tell me what it means, to be, what Indigo Child means to you. I was actually watching a Dick Gregory interview. Um, you know, legend Dick Gregory, comedian activist, and he was actually talking about Indigo Children. Um, this is just today, like, but I've known about Indigo Children since 2017. After 2018, after I got my tattoo. That's so crazy. (laughs) So I found out about that because my dad's, so my dad's stage name is Gerard Indigo my whole life. And um, so since I'm his son, like, and I had heard the term Indigo Child, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know anything about it. Right. Um, But I was like, that would be hard. Like, I'm his son, like Indigo Child. And then I started looking it up after I got the tattoo. And it's like a spiritual thing. It's like, People believe that indigo ch- children are here, be- like for a purpose that they they know what they're supposed to. Do. And I don't like buy into anything necessarily. Like I'm I'm a very like open minded like, sk- like I'm not like super religious. Like I believe in God and um I always give all praise and glory to God. But it's like I won't necessarily just subscribe to something. So like it could just be a you know a theory or whatever. But um it it connects with me. Um, indigo child and, and just whoever else feels like they're an indigo child out there or um, if it's a real thing so I don't know I feel like what they've described it as is, is uh, people who are here to like make a positive change oh yeah in the world I um my first ep- I have two podcasts my second one is the BBC podcast mm-hmm. Blake Burton Brian Barnett conspiracies mm-hmm. and our first episode was on indigo children oh really and I haven't done anything to promote it and it's been like close to a year but it has like almost from nothing that i haven't promoted at all it mm-hmm. has close to like a thousand views i'm like oh, shit tough. there's random people out there who are truly not I'm, I'm not saying i don't believe in it, but there's people yeah. who are like fuck i need to figure out more about indigo children so they're actually well, looking it up on youtube and i was i was read because the 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 title of the video for his interview was like the universal god and indigo children and mm-hmm. in the comments there were like hella people being like you know i've always felt different i think i'm an indigo child <laughs> And I'm like, well, that's your explanation? Like, and that's why it's like, for me, I'm very skeptical yeah. of just any, like, man-made concept. Um, it was made by some, it was actually made by this lady. Yeah. In, like, the 1970s or something. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discredit it or, you know, nothing. Like, I just, I'm interested to learn more. Um, Gotta be if you have it tattooed on you. <laughs> no, facts. But it's but again, like I got this from my dad. Yeah. Like just to acknowledge that I'm always gonna have that connection with him and yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, actually, I have one more. This is just something that I've noticed. All your artwork is like hand drawn. Mm-hmm. Is that you? Is that a friend? Who's doing that? That's me. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. That shit's dope. Thank you. 
Thank you. So yeah. how'd you come up with your Cotillo logo? Uh, I drew it, took it into Photoshop, cleaned it up, then took it into Illustrator, cleaned it up even more. And if you look at it too, it's like they're all shaped like raindrops. Yeah. yeah. And initially the T was a space needle. Um, now it's my Afro. There we go. Yeah. You got to keep the afro then, man. Me yeah, too. I, I know. I've been thinking recently, like, what I want to do next with my hair. I'm definitely not going to cut it, though. Because you can braid it. You can put it up in a bun. Like, once you have long hair, mm -hmm. the options are limitless. Facts. Facts. Yeah. So, Katil, what is some advice that you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, mm -hmm. influencers? Move with love and, you know, support people when you see them. Like, and if you can, you know, repost people that you fuck with, um, like, just don't be sleazy in this business. Like, try to do good business. Um, and then just every day work for your dream, like, for you, like, because nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can just, like, press the green button on your life. So... My advice is just like persevere and keep going. Like it sounds so cliche, but like when people ask like what's my best advice, that's what I did. Like I just had to keep going like through everything I just talked about. Like the only difference between like me and somebody like in that situation who who would have gave up is that I just didn't. I I kept going. There we go. What is the easiest way for people to reach you? Just email or DMs. Instagram, yeah. Or, or, yeah, and then, of course, you know, check out my music on all platforms, you know? Hell yeah. Well, this is the NAS Podcast with... Katil. There we yes, go. Yes, sir.